Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to The Bombcast. I'm your host, Steve Lester, and with me as always is Mr. Kevin McElroy. We are owners of Bombers and Sleeves, a clothing and lifestyle brand dedicated to the war on self-doubt, where we encourage you to bomb your boundaries and chase after your dreams. Today our special guest is producer, engineer, educator, and the owner of the Record Shop Recording Studio right here in Nashville, Mr. Sean Giovanni. So what do you say let's go and get into the show? Mr. McElroy, how we doing, my man? Hey, doing great, as always, brother. Happy to be back in the studio. Me too, me too. And it's been a long couple of weeks since the last one. Wish we could do this daily, but, you know, we're still on a... Well, we are. We're back in the OG studio where it all began. Now, for all of our listeners knew that we were down in the warehouse for the past couple episodes uh, where, you know, we practice our social distancing and we were about 20,000 leagues apart. We ran the wires up and down the walls. It was great. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. I, I love being back up here, but I kind of miss that old dungeony musk. You know what I mean? It's nice. But uh, today we had to relocate to the original location and uh, Steve put in a ton of work and you're actually going to be able to see see it for the first time that's right because thanks to our special guest he was kind enough to uh get this particular episode recorded so we are literally in like a tv set studio is what it feels like at the moment i uh did some extra work for the tv show nashville when it first came to town that's like right, on the first did. season this feels like i'm in a scene right there right oh now. yeah oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah i remember seeing you on tv and yeah, I, that one time. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. it was a one and done, one and done. Didn't they use your car on the t- on the show? They did, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Pulled it up through the valet, the old That's Land cool. Rover. I mean, you're right. Those were the good old days. And the good old days, and it is great <laughs> to be back up in here. And we even got the wall of Frank back, old blue eyes looking down on us, Mister Sinatra. You are my spirit animal. Uh, so, y'all, we are very excited for our special guest today. I uh, got a great, great guest. Uh, just killer dude. I uh, can't wait to get to know him and just kind of peel back the layers a little bit. But before we do, I'm going to uh, give the floor to Kevin for a minute, and we're going to update you on some Bombers news. Kev, what do we got going on, man? Yeah, man. So feeling thankful, you know, through the pandemic and everything, especially for a small business like us, that could have just wiped us out. But, you know, thankfully, we have found a way to kind of keep our costs down and stay afloat through this whole time and uh, have actually met and made connections with more people uh, than we did last year in a more meaningful and uh, impactful way, uh, which has been awesome. So last time I updated you guys on the deal that we struck with uh, Music City Boxing, which is still going great. Uh, we got some merchandise up in there. If you guys are local to Nashville, I just want to remind you again to check out Music City Boxing over in the nation's uh, fantastic facility. I mean, like I said last time, real down and dirty, rocky type uh, gym, full-size Olympic ring, all that good stuff. Anyway, so we still got some merchandise uh, hanging up in there, and it's been selling. So thank you. Uh, if any, if we have any new listeners from Music City Boxing that are checking us out, Steve and I cannot thank you enough for your support. That is really, really cool. Thank you. you guys have, um, I mean, you don't even understand like how far just one t-shirt sale goes uh, for us at the beginning stages here. So it means a lot. It's helpful. It's awesome. Um, and like I said last time, you know, we were we talked about our six one vibe piece, which is unique to Nashville, um, and you know how we would be eventually launching a, a collaboration T shirt with Music City Boxing, uh, with our logo on one sleeve and their logo on the other, and that is going to go to benefit their youth boxing program. Well, so after that. You know, I was thinking some more. That's actually a scalable idea. We can, you know, 6-1 Vibe, as you guys know, is intended to eventually become a nonprofit uh, organization of its own that gives back to um, 
you know, local businesses and creatives and things like that. So with this deal with Music City Boxing, it got me thinking, you know, you can actually take that around to a bunch of different businesses and offer that same type of pitch. Say, hey, you know, we'll uh, split production costs and do a co-branded uh, 6 one Vibe shirt and then take the net proceeds of that and give it to whatever uh, charity that you guys care about or, uh, you know, ideally a charity that we, that we both care about. And so with that being said, we were reached out to by another local business, East Nashville Beard and Barber, uh, who used to be Nashville Beard and Barber, but they uh, dissolved and the owner, Kevin, started uh, East Nashville Beard and Barber. Well, so he reached out and said that he loves the company, loves to support local businesses and like to buy some shirts from us for uh, for his barbers. So we were like, yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. Um, do you mind if we come down and drop it off in person and discuss uh, this idea we have for co-branding our 6-1 Vibe product and see if you guys are interested in that too? And so Kevin, the owner, is like, yeah, yeah, cool. So uh, just the other day, Steve and I went down there. Super cool team of barbers that he's got there. It's him and three others. Cool people. Uh, we rolled up like traveling Bible salesmen or black whatever. Black bag. Yeah, yeah. Black bag. Black duffel. Uh, roll in there, uh, literally like display the products. First of all, we walk in there, super cool vibe. He offers us these little pony, uh, Miller high lives, Miller high lives. Uh, champagne and beers. Yeah, man. Sit down, crack a couple and literally just lay, lay out all the product on the, on some of the chairs that, that he has in the waiting room there. Uh, and all the barbers are super stoked on it, including, uh, one of the customers in there bought one too, which was, which was cool. Uh, so at the end of it, we were, we were talking to Kevin about doing the co-branding thing, and he was he was stoked on it as well. So the point of all this is uh, now we have two businesses on board uh, that we get to help, uh, you know, give back through through the Six One Vibe mission, uh, and by giving back to to a charity. So uh, we're gonna release it with Music City Boxing first, but then uh, the next round is gonna be with East Nashville Beard and Barber. So that's exciting, man. I mean, for something that was just kind of uh, maybe one day we'll get some time to focus on uh, getting the nonprofit side of 6-1 Vibe going, uh, has now been moved to the front of the line and organically uh, it's coming up and uh, is being received very well. So it, that's exciting, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm so excited to work with, you know, just both of these companies and just see what we can dream up together, man. It, it's it's amazing how you, I, you know, but you said like just organically, it's just kind of happening and people are trying to help out small businesses and come together right here in Nashville, man. This is Music City. It, it's such a wonderful community here and it's nice to uh, be able to reach out to some of our neighbors and, and and get some shit done with them you know it really is man and what's crazy is uh the owner kevin used to be a pioneer barbershop over in the gulch and was actually the guy that right. was right across from the place where i got married in 2016 and he was actually the same barber that gave us all a shave before uh before the wedding it was my treat to steve was one of my groomsmen and and the rest of them uh, to like go over to this nice Pioneer Barbershop was like a nice like old school kind of place. I don't know if it's still there or not, but anyway, you did like the straight razor shave and it was a cool like little experience for us. Well, this same guy, Kevin, now owns East Nashville Beard and Barber. I didn't recognize him at first, but he's like, man, you look, uh, you look really familiar. And then uh, later when I got home, I was like, just checked his Instagram real quick yeah. and saw that he used to work there. And I was like, dude, I think I think you were the guy. He's like, you were the guy. He's like, no, nah, I, was, I was definitely the guy. You were the guy like, that turned beast <laughs> into beauty, so I can yeah. marry my wife. Dude, it was rad. So that's just another testament to like how small of a town we have here in Nashville, which I know our our 
our uh, our guest, Mr. Geo, can definitely attest to as well. But. Dude, totally. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you for updating yeah, our yeah, listeners. Man, that's the news. And man, that the, is uh, the minutes, news if you will. <laughs> for the day, y'all. Okay, we got a killer guest for you today. Record producer, audio engineer, product manager, educator, and owner of the Record Shop Recording Studios. He's worked with a variety of genres. He has the privilege to, um, or has had the privilege to work with artists such as John Legend, Juicy J, Big and Rich, Tim McGraw, Zach Wilde, and the Wallflowers. Ooh, some of my faves in there. Uh, he's also the co-owner of a music industry-focused mindset development platform called MindMap, which helps creative creatives achieve artistic prosperity through mental conditioning and emotional fitness. Yo, can't wait to get into that. Y'all give it up for Mr. Sean Giovanni. Hey, what up? You. What's up, brother? What's happening? Glad to be here. Yeah, Whoever man. that guy is you're talking about, I want to hang out with him. He oh, sounds he's pretty cool. just, oh, he's <laughs> the tops. Yo, I love saying your, I love saying your name, Giovanni. Oh, it's beautiful, It's, man. it's beautiful. It rolls right off the tongue. Dude, so we got a lot of cover today. You're an interesting guy. You got a lot of amazing, amazing things going on. As I mentioned in the intro, you, you have a hell of a laundry list of, you know, people you've worked with and collaborated with. So, Let's maybe start by taking it back a little bit and share some of your journey, man. I mean, you come here to Nashville uh, maybe 14, 15 years ago, you, and, and to now where you start your own recording and multimedia production company. Uh, I want to know all about that. I want to know about that ride. And also, how are you able to build just such this beautiful cl- uh, you know, client base uh, to what, you know, and got it to what it is today? Can you take us on that ride a little bit, brother? Yeah, man, absolutely. Cool. Uh, well, it started back when I was a young kid, and my dad was just a huge fan of music. He would drive me to school or like hockey practice, or we'd be going anywhere, and he'd always have a different CD on, um, some different kind of music he was listening to. And his musical taste was very eclectic, and mine started to become very eclectic. And through that, I started to, I think, looking back on it, started to appreciate music for the experience that it could support, and diff- different styles of music could support different types of experiences in our life. And I really fell in love with the idea of how music makes us feel. And that evolved over time into me being interested in the idea of being able to be a part of that creative process, to be in the studio when these types of experiences are being captured that are then going to have such a massive impact on people. And so I started that journey really young, around 12 years old. Uh, it was the first time that I got into any sort of recording. It started by me getting into DJing. And I was, I was really, uh, really excited about this DJ that I saw on MTV Spring Break, uh, DJ Scribble. And he was oh, up there yeah. rocking, rocking the crowd, Cancun, you know, everybody's going crazy. And I was like, that guy looks cool and I would love to do that. And then I got into the whole um, background of, of DJing, um, specifically in the hip hop culture. And I loved the idea of bringing all these different types of art together. So the breakdancing, the graffiti, the DJing, the MC, the storytelling that was happening and the parties that would happen around it and the energy and bringing people together to, um, you know, to collaborate in really unique ways. Uh, and I, so I got really passionate about that when I was, when I was young and got into DJing. And then I wanted to start being able to record myself as a DJ and record like the mixes and the little like mashups that I was putting together. So um, I, uh, I, I saved up some money and um, got a little four track cassette recorder. And that was my begin, the beginning of, uh, of, you know, of recording. Uh, and then so through middle school and high school, I just dove deeper and deeper into that. 
Um, and eventually like in high school, I set up a little makeshift like studio slash DJ slash party room thing yeah. in my parents' basement and just, and just loved it. Uh, and then as you know, as you're going through high school, you're figuring out what are you going to do with your life? And do you go to college? Do you get a degree? Do you get a real job? You know, and music it just for me, was like always the thing I was going to figure out a way to do it one way or another. Uh, and so in, in high school, I had to make the decision of how to figure that out. And my thought process at first was to do what the people that I looked up to had done back in the day. And you go and you get a job sweeping the floors at a studio. Uh, you work your way up and climb the ladder and then, you know, try to make a name for yourself. Um, but the time that I graduated from high school, um, it's right before the big recession that happened. The economy in general was tough. The economy in Detroit was probably the worst. And, um, and the music industry was struggling and the whole idea of that apprenticeship model and the business was really starting to go away. And what was popping up was recording schools. So as I started to research and learn about this, I, I, I was told by a bunch of different studio managers, like, if you want to get in this business, you got to go get a degree. And, uh, and so I went to a, a small recording school in Minneapolis and got a lot of experience with a lot of different types of equipment. Um, but I wouldn't say that that degree was really necessary, which I learned mm -hmm. later on. It was a little bit of a, you know, facade, but anyway, I went through that whole process. And then eventually when I, uh, I got out, I graduated from that program and needed to figure out where to go. And I looked at New York, LA and Nashville. I figured those were really like the three options for me because of my goals for my career. And I ended up landing on Nashville because of the energy and the vibe and the, just the conversations that I had with people. Uh, and I moved here for a job at a recording studio, um, here in town. And, uh, so I packed up my truck and moved down here. I was 19, um, and, uh, got a place on, on music row, a little apartment, um, above some offices and, um, and, uh, showed up to the studio for the first day. And I found out that I was not able to take that internship that was supposed to lead to the job because of, uh, the school that I went to in this internship program, miscommunication thing that had happened. And the school didn't offer the types of requirements that were necessary for that label to hire me as an intern and then the assistant. So that was a pretty big shock and like, and, and blow, uh, to things. Um, and I, the, luckily the guy that was the manager there was, became a really great mentor of mine. And he gave me a lot of hope and said, look at all the stuff that you've done already. You packed up, you moved here, you're here, you know, you're clearly very passionate about this. You, you can figure it out. You just got to stick with it. And it's going to take a long time. And you just have to be realistic about that. And I moved here with just like giant hopes and dreams and, and thinking about the fact like, well, who else has been working at this since they were 12 years old and always knew what they wanted to do? Well, come to find out like everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And their and, mother. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, um, so it was a, it was a pretty big shock. And the, and the idea of how I thought a career in the recording industry was supposed to go was just sort of pulled apart and, uh, and, and shattered. But the great thing that came out of that um, was that I never got that job and that I was pushed into this position to make a decision about either moving on into a different direction in my life, which I was not willing to do, or to figure out a way to make it work one way or another. And that was what started the record shop, was the idea of me being able to start a business for myself because I needed to find my own work because there wasn't the, the opportunity for, uh, for employment at, uh, in, the, in a traditional model. Nice. So when you, um, so when you first came to that realization, like in terms of like sourcing your first clients, what was that process like for you? Uh, it was going out every night, um, going, it started this way, just going to anywhere that people were performing music. And I figured if there's shows happening, there's probably people around that you can meet and make connections with. Um, I'm not generally the guy that like walks into the bar and makes friends with everybody. Right. I'm a very, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, um, 
what do they call that? Like a, uh, a very open introvert, you know? Yeah, like, yeah me too, yeah, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love hanging out and talking with people and having like thoughtful discussions and stuff, but I, but I'm not a great small talker and like can't like just jump up and like make friends with everybody. Right. Uh, I've become better at doing that, I think. But, or, but back, back then it was, it was very, it was tough to just, I didn't know a single person. I was here by myself and just to like walk down the street and just walk into some place and start to make friends was like, uh, super overwhelming. Um, but, my whole thought process was this is what you got to do. And there's no way that no one's going to hand any work to you. And if you want work, you're going to have to go meet people. So Mm -hmm. that became like the thing to push me over that sort of uh, fear or like uncomfortable thing of just like striking up conversations with people. My thought was like what I told myself, every conversation you have is another opportunity for the potential to build a relationship that's going to move you forward in your career. And it pushed me past that, that, that fear. um, And, uh, and beyond those boundaries that I was setting up for myself and, uh, and, and so that's how it started was just going out and, uh, you know, and meeting folks. Um, I also posted, uh, uh advertisements on Craigslist. Nice. Uh, I, yep. uh, I, I tried to network with people on MySpace. It's all like, you know, old yeah. school oh, yeah. stuff back oh, yeah. in the day. Um, cause this was 2010, you said, right? No, 2000, um, uh, 2006. 2006. Okay. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So no option, but MySpace. Yep. Yeah. 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 MySpace yeah, yeah. and Craigslist, man. That was, you and Tom. That was the deal. But, it, but yeah. it was really the, the, the greatest things came from just going out and, and meeting folks. And that's the beauty about the community in Nashville. You know, like uh, there's a small area where a bunch of venues are all kind of packed together and you can walk up and down and, and check out a bunch of different places. And there's a really great community. And then you start to see the similar people, you know, so you're going out every, every night and, um, and you'll see, diff- you'll see similar people at different places and you start to figure out where some of the popular spots are. Um, and I was able to start to make some good connections. Uh, but that didn't lead to very much work uh, right away. Um, and so I started to learn uh, out of those conversations why that wouldn't necessarily lead to work. Uh, one of the things that at first I was trying to focus on the places that were like the most popular. And at those places, it's, it's kind of, it's a real, like everyone is there focused networking sort of hang. And the people that are on the stage are not going to work with someone like me that does no resume and is brand new to town and no connections. I don't have any like leverage to like pitch myself to someone other than like, I'm really passionate and I'd love to work with you, you know, which is great in theory, but it's just realistically not going to lead to work right away. So I started to be more focused on the places that I would go. And one of my processes was going and picking up the Nashville scene every week. And I would go through the, um, the list of shows. And uh, then I would jump online and I would, uh, so I would find like a writer's night in a small like coffee shop or club or something. And then I would go online and uh, research every single writer that was playing. And I would specifically target people that whose music I liked first and foremost. Uh, who were either new to town or seemed to be kind of building their career still didn't hadn't recently released something uh, at a really like high level you know maybe they had like some demos online but they seemed to be like me they we could connect in a way because we have similar experience and we're new to town they don't have all those resources yet and that led to more consistent work pretty quickly which was a really really great thing uh, and um, and so I started to build a bit of a really pretty solid client base um, the other uh, really uh, great thing that, that happened uh, was that I connected with a, a woman that was here in town and she grew up here, uh, really tied into the, the community and um, super tied into the hip hop community. And I grew up in Detroit, huge hip hop fan, and uh, had spent a lot of time recording um, different hip hop artists. And I had a lot of experience with that. And I found that there weren't really any commercial studios that specifically catered towards that genre, but there were a lot of artists that wanted to create music and they were sort of stuck working in makeshift studio environments without 
and not having like engineers that were really competent with the technical side of things, but they were just kind of figuring it out, you know? And so this woman started connecting me with a lot of her friends and I got really tied into that community. And within a few months, like I was just booked. I like, I just kept getting calls and people kept showing up and like, they loved the vibe and they told their friends and they brought more people back and it was great. So I started to find like that, that niche market. And I found this other like niche market in the new to town singer songwriter sort of people that were, that were similar to me as far as like resources went. Um, and that was really the starting point of where I went out to start to find those first clients and, uh, and then just, you know, over time, just, it continues to grow. Dude, that that's awesome, man. There was, a, there's a lot there that we can, yeah. that we can start to unpack. The biggest things I heard was like, the first thing is like fear, fear is inevitable. It's going to slip, slap you in the oh, face. Yeah. The second you decide to go after the, something like you, you dream of like when you chase your dreams. Um, the second, the second thing that really stuck out as the overall theme of that, that part right there is like just being resourceful, man, and using your resources. Cause I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with, uh, like, you know, they, they go to that, to that place and they're like, okay, they have that realization that everyone up on the stage doesn't want to work with you because your resume is just not there yet. But instead of stopping there, you can be resourceful and find different ways to like be creative and, um, and get the, get that first step and get that in the door. So, yeah, it's so funny too, man. Like just, I, I could imagine you, you know, you said you're, uh, you're an open introvert, but like the first couple of times you go out and you're just trying to meet people, it's a little awkward, but then the second time it's probably still a little awkward, but not as bad. And then by maybe the sixth, seventh time you're throwing yourself out there, you're getting uncomfortable all of a sudden. I mean, look at what you just said. You're, you're meeting people, you're creating this kind of network of people, you're building this kind of camp. And uh, mm-hmm. that's really important for our listeners is to get uncomfortable as possible. Uh, Absolutely. And, Especially when you were here, I mean, uh, we, one of our past guests uh, was talking about just, you know, kind of building, uh, kind of just building with your camp and rising together. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, instead of maybe trying to fight to get into the rooms with people that already have the deals and all this, but like finding people you actually a gel with, be you love creating worth, uh, creating with and want to work with, like how important is that? Like, is that kind of the rise to success you think? Well, and yeah, I, sorry to, sorry to cut mm-hmm. you off. Cause I also wanted to add to that. What, uh, what I loved about that story is like, you didn't conform to like be a country recording artist. Absolutely. You went with what you loved and what you know, which was hip hop and found that organic connection there. So to stay true to yourself right from the jump works out for yeah. that exact reason. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I definitely agree with the the building with the the camp, you know, type of thing. And I, I think that it, it can open up more opportunities as well. You find those people that you work with and as everyone is growing, then it opens up your resources. And that's really where, where some of my biggest first opportunities came from was people that I, that I started with all in the same place, like at the bottom. And then we'd come up and uh, there was a rock band that I was working with um, called Stone Crossing. Um, it was a really popular, like local band here in town. And um, they got a management deal. That management company was tied in with a studio and they want they wanted the, the EP to be cut at their studio. So I got pulled in to be able to help out with the studio and the uh, manager there, Pat, was like was just super like w- w- welcomed me with open arms. And um, while I, I didn't necessarily take on like the full role of everything on their record right away, I was still able to hang with them and be a part of it meet them. And then I was able to start using that studio with my own clients. And it was a really big turning point for me to get out of like an apartment studio set up into like a legit spot. Um, but before I was in a place where I was working with artists that had the budget for that sort of thing. And so like those sort of connections just came from like starting with one place, finding the people that you really gel with, you know, and then, and then it growing. Um, and that idea of getting over 
yourself and getting over fear and diving into things, it becomes easier, but then it also becomes more inspiring to push through things that are fearful after you see the result of what happens from pushing past that fear. As an example, you go out and it's a little bit uncomfortable to just walk up to someone and start a conversation. You do that a handful of times, you get more comfortable, and then eventually one of those conversations leads to a really awesome opportunity. And then you see how wonderful that feels to push past that fear. And you know, on the other side of that can be something pretty amazing. And then you can take that and apply it to really like any other thing that you, that you are a little bit drawn back to or that makes you feel uncomfortable, but just push farther into those things that are uncomfortable. And the more that I've done that, the more that I've just seen like opportunities, you know, blow up out of it and we're, and we, we were able to continue to grow that way. Yeah. God, I love that dude. Cause it's, yeah, it seems like, um, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but, um, I heard on some podcast that like it was a business related podcast. They were saying that same thing. Like the work comes before the belief. Like if you don't believe in yourself right away, try taking those first steps and doing that work because that's where the confidence comes from. And just like you said, you get one small win there. Now that next time you step out of your comfort zone, so to speak, um, it becomes that much easier because you have small wins behind you and you start to gain that momentum. If it sounds like what you're saying is all right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you work with, and you work with a lot of artists, but a lot, especially when it comes down to like newer artists, musicians, bands, I mean, I, I've, you know, for songwriting, you know, there's a lot of people and even in my community that still hate going out and let's say networking. They're just like, I'm not good at it. It's uncomfortable. Do I really have to do it? Cause it kind of, it, to them, it's a pain in the ass, but I think that's what separates, you know, success from, that's what separates success, you know, from them and other people is because there are people willing to do that and actually get uncomfortable and are willing to do that. So when you're working with these new people and they're like, well, I mean, I don't know if they're telling you this, but if they're a little bit uncomfortable with that, like, what do you tell them? How bad do you want it? Exactly. exactly. It's a really easy answer. It's yeah. not that complicated. Yeah. 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 If you really, if you really want it and there's no question about it, like there was for me, there hadn't mm -hmm. been since I was 12 years old. There's mm -hmm. nothing that's going to stop me from, from going, going after that because that's what I feel like I'm here for. And I have a purpose that's beyond money or fame or like notoriety. My purpose is that art, will outlast us the creation of it and i want to be able to create art that can do that to be able to leave the the earth and have something that outlasts me that's powerful and that has had a massive impact on people and i found that purpose really early on and i used it to push through all of those things and every time that i face adversity or a really challenging situation or i'm run the risk of not doing my best or like let, saying, well, this is good enough. We'll let it slide. You know, I'm kind of running out of time and we don't have the budget for this or whatever. I push through and put in the extra hours to make it happen because that's what my goal is. And in doing that, it, it put, I think that it pushes you to work, you know, at a higher level. Everyone's, you know, purpose might may be different, you know, but that was what mine was. And I found that I was really fortunate to find that early on. It came from a quote from a philosopher named William James who said the best use of life is to use it for something that outlasts it. And when I read that, it just like, I just sort of stopped and read it again and was like, oh my God, yeah. it just like spoke to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I saw immediately how it connected to what my passion was for making music. And it gave me this deeper purpose that was way far beyond me. And, uh, and, and has made it really easy to push past anything. If I, there's any question about like, is this really worth it? Should I dive in? That, that doesn't even like cross my mind because at this point, like uh, my subconscious is just trained to be like, you're, this is the, um, the bar that you set for yourself and you just have to keep, you know, going after it. And yeah, and, and diving in. 
uh, when people say that they're not, they're not good at things. I often like ask, well, have you, like how often have you tried it and how much did you, you know, just go after it? Like a lot, it's very natural for us as creatives to be like, man, business, like I'm not really good at that. You know, it feels like this weird, like salesy thing. And, you know, I just want to make art, which is awesome and true. Like we, we, we do want to make art that's authentic, but in order to do that, we still have to be able to generate income from it to survive. And there is a business aspect, you know, incorporated with it, but that business aspect can become really creative. It doesn't have to be like a car salesman and it doesn't have to be really dry. Um, like maybe some job that we wouldn't want to have if we failed the music or something, you know, it can be, it can be very creative and it can be a lot of fun. Uh, and I think when you look at it from that, like deeper purpose or larger purpose sort of thing, then you can start to think creatively, you know, around it. So yeah, like networking is not fun and I don't network. I build relationships. I authentically want to go out and meet people that I like Mm -hmm. and I enjoy being around because I know that if I can find like-minded, similar people that have similar interests and are authentic, then they're going to attract more of those people around me. And then, you know, my whole frequency in life is going to continue to rise and, you know, and things will, things will grow. So yeah, like network, like going out and just networking and handing out business cards and just like blindly. Yeah. That that's, boring it sucks and it's not going to get you anywhere either totally. but being really excited about interacting with people and hearing people's stories and and then getting creative on how the, this is was a big turning point for me was instead of just trying to like make relationships to see what what uh, opportunity might be there i just started every time i had a conversation my mind goes to how can i help this person with whatever they're doing and it doesn't even have to be with like music it can be totally different business but maybe i have a resource or connection somewhere and it is insane how the world works in crazy ways in these random connections where you where you help somebody out in some small way ends up paying itself back like tenfold and the in the value that you're offering to other people so when i totally. start those conversations it's immediately where my mind goes it's not to what can this do for me it's what how can i help these this person and you know in doing that you build a deeper relationship and over time especially if you're in a place like nashville that's just you're surrounded by people that are passionate about music and and building a you know careers and that sort of thing like it's just it's um it's almost impossible to like build a relationship with someone then have that not turn into some some sort of opportunity at some point you know 100%. but if you're always about like well, how is this going to help me? And like only answer the phone or only call when there's something that you need instead of just like being, you know, being a friend and like, and yeah. building, you know, a really like legit relationship or just trying to really like reach for an opportunity as opposed to getting creative and thinking about like, how can I purposely be of value to this, to this individual based on, and be interested about, you know, what I'm learning about, about them. And that has to be authentic. Cause when it's not authentic, it comes across like it's pretty clear, you know, uh, but I think that's where it should be focused is like, is how can I provide value first? Yeah, 100% dude. I absolutely love that, man. And that's like, I mean, that's like as cold hard of a fact as, as gravity is, man. It's just like, it's one of those fundamental yeah. things, dude. Cause we can all, it's like an energy signature, man. When someone's just trying yeah. to take something from you, you're like, yeah. I don't know, even if they're you nice know. and cordial, it's like, what the f- no, no, you dude. Know. Yeah, you definitely know. And then, so that's like, so, uh, you know, obviously we don't know each other that well just yet, but like I can already tell that you just innately have those qualities about you, but do you um, innately have those like uh, being a go giver as they call it? You have that, you have like that giving spirit to you, obviously like you, you know, you're giving us a, a, an experience we've never had before by um, bringing a videographer in here. And that's, that's a huge value for oh, yeah. us, man. And yeah. I'm just like, I've been thinking the whole week, I was like, how can we like help 
help Geo back and like give that back, you know, uh, to you as well, man, and like develop a, um, you know, a long lasting relationship out of this moment. So we're sitting in the example of it right now. But uh, my question is like, so, you know, I, I get the sense that you, that you are innately like that type of person, but have you worked on like honing that skill of finding like how you can bring value to people in like a, like a methodical way outside of that? And if so, how? Yeah. Well, the, from a, I, th- I feel like maybe I've I've been that way because of the way that my parents raised me and just, you know, b- being someone of support and being of service. And um, there were plenty of examples in like middle school and high school where I would you know, donate my time to, you know, to support. I, I think a lot of that comes from like playing sports growing up too. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, there's a lot of community yeah. around that. And there's a lot that we get taught just like, you know, principles on supporting each other and being of service to the, to the group and to the whole. For and, sure. you know, it could just, it starts as a team, but then, you know, as a kid, you start to understand now this is like being a part of your community and support, you know, that becomes your team as an adult and, you know, and that kind of thing. So I think a lot of it was just environment that I was around and, and choosing to be involved in athletics. And, uh, and that I think played a big role in it. But when it, when I moved to town and this first like opportunity that I moved here for fell through and I started trying to figure out how the hell am I going to survive? I went and like bought every business book I could find on like entrepreneurship and even like, and like sales and building a brand and marketing and just really trying to figure out like how to self starters, like market themselves and try to build a business. And the common thread that I continued to see across the board with that sort of stuff was provide value first. Mm. And so it was definitely like, I I think that I, I am that type of person that wants to go out and, you know, and give, but I also learned from, from that, the value that it can have from a business standpoint as well and how it can build with, uh, you know, with relationships. So that, that was definitely like a, a starting point for it. I don't know that there's necessarily like a methodology out of it other than just being aware of the value of it and then just looking for that opportunity. And what I've found is that over time now it's just part of how I think it's just become natural. Yeah. Like 14 years ago, it was not natural. That was something that I was reading in a book about and was like, oh, well, I guess that makes sense. I need to stop at calling these managers for, of studios and asking them for work. And I need to start thinking about how can I be of specific value to them? And then once I started doing that, amazing opportunities started to, you know, to come together. And so the more that, that those, I had those experiences, the more you start to get creative and see the tor- sort of like things that can work and where those things can align. Um, and then the more that you do that, the more that you build this wider pool of resources to then like every person that you meet, you can start to find these interlinking, you know, connections with that can be valuable to do, you know, to different people. So I think it's more of just a a long-term play of learning, getting experience and just training yourself to be sort of focused on that. The same way that a songwriter becomes naturally focused on being in a conversation or sitting in a bar and hearing someone say something behind them and then like quickly writing it down and being like, that is a song and I'm going to go home and write that, you know? Guilty. Yeah. My, my, my worst thing is, is, is I always tell Kevin, this is like cinema, like movies. Like my wife yells at me because I'll be sitting there watching a movie and they'll say something just magical. And I'm like, Oh, that's an idea for a song. And she just yells at me. You're you're ruining the movie. I do this in the theater. I do this on date night. And believe me, it, uh, it doesn't go over well, but that's just where our minds go. You know? I know. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We're, my wife and I were, were watching the um, the Jordan documentary um, uh, oh, yeah. last week, and um, and uh, Phil Jackson. Oh, now I'm gonna forget the quote. Um, oh, Phil Jackson said, uh, um, "You're you're only um, you're only successful in the moment. Yeah. As soon as that moment passes, you're no longer successful. Now you're back to working towards being successful." 
And, uh, and so I heard him say that. And then like three seconds later, I paused it and she was like, I knew you were going to do that. And I rewinded <laughs> it, it and, and it. wrote it down it. word for word. Yeah. And put it in, no shame. Yeah, put it in my book of thoughts. Yeah. And she turned over and she was like, I knew that's what you were doing. That's awesome, man. So you, so you do have like a formal journal or a book of thoughts as you call it? That oh like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I have all kinds of them cause I'll be in different environments, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of writing things down. Um, just in general, you know, um, I don't type up lyrics. Like I write them down. Uh, I think it engages our subconscious. I know that it engages our subconscious mind in a different way. It does, uh, yeah. I write down my goals. Um, I write them down and then I read them aloud. Uh, really focused on that, you know, that type of thought process. When I come up with ideas, I'm, I'm jotting them down. Uh, if I don't have like a notebook with me and I'm sort of just like kind of on the move, like I have a bunch of different categories of notes in my phone. Um, but then I'll take those and like transcribe them down and, and write them. And that came from my, um, high school, um, math teacher. No way. She was the first. So like my, when I was a kid, my biggest problem was math because I was so defiant about, it wasn't that I didn't understand it. I was so defiant about the fact that I did not need to know this nonsense. I was like, I'm going to be a musician. There is no reason that I need to understand calculus. It just, it, there's, it doesn't matter. And so when I was in uh, middle school, one of my teachers, math teachers, made the mistake of putting this poster on the wall that had uh, all of the different types of math and the occupations that corresponded with those. And whoever made this poster was an idiot because he put musician on it. And it basically was <laughs> nice. like, uh, it was, it was like a plus and minus and like multiplication and division. And I was like, see, I already learned that when I was like in third grade, we're good. Done. Um, yeah. I don't need to be in this class anymore. I got sent right down to the principal's office. Nice, uh, but, yeah. um, but, it, but I finally had a math a teacher. Valid point though. In, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. But I finally had a math teacher in high school that saw that in me like saw that like she understood my, my perspective in it like and at that point I was a little more mature like I was definitely trying like I wanted to get you know the grades and like and that became more of the thing of like achieving something as opposed to whether I cared about it or not but I was still not very like focused on it you know at all I just couldn't be like that wasn't my passion and so she saw that and um and she uh, bought me a journal and one day she um stopped me after class and said hey I know that you're really passionate about music and writing you know, an art. And I know that these classes are not interesting to you at all. Um, and, and I appreciate that. That's fine. But here's something that I think could be really valuable for you. Um, take this journal and like, and just write in it every day. And I think it'll bring you a lot of like clarity and, um, and, uh, you know, and peace of mind and like that sort of thing. And she said, it can be really valuable for the creative spirit and just also for like your, your mindset and like in general, uh, it was amazing. And so ever since she gave that to me, I had a, a journal, like, all through high school, um, all through college, still have them. And, um, and I would write like every day, like all the stuff that happens and it, uh, it, and then I would write songs and write poetry and all kinds of different stuff in it. But I would also just sit down and like write what happened that day. Uh, and as a teenager, yeah. that was a really helpful expression, like yeah. healthy expression, yeah. uh, to be able to get like the, you know, the stuff that you go through at that age, you know, out. Um, but I started to learn like how that really helped. And then as I started to I started from writing songs and so I would start, I'd be able to start memorizing lyrics just after writing them down once. And I've learned a lot about that. So that whole process is just, you know, continued on and stuff. Uh, probably the most beautiful thing that came out of that journal is that I wrote down the night that I met my now wife wow, when we were dude. in high school That's and crazy. I came home that night where we I was 15 and I said, I, I met the most amazing girl at this party tonight. Um, I feel like she's like my soulmate. I want to marry her someday. Just insane. Right. And, um, and, and we went to different schools. Like she stayed in Michigan. I went to Minneapolis. I moved here 
Um, we stayed friends, but then like years later we got together and, and now we're married. That's and crazy. Yeah, and so like that dude, whole like thing came from that. Man. So yeah, the yeah. beauty of writing stuff down, right? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that's manifesting wow. something, but we're together now. It's it's incredible. No, man, I think it's hugely powerful, man. It really is. Like, have you have you done the Artist Way by Julia Cameron? Have you worked through that? Um, I have not. No, but yeah. I know about it, and yeah, very very familiar with it. Yeah, the whole um, the morning pages is like yeah. the big takeaway from that. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same thing, man. Just every day, just freehand three full pages of of just freeform thought. Um, and I, uh, when I went through it, it was very therapeutic. I got out of the habit, but I really definitely want to get back into it. But, um, super powerful for the creative spirit and yeah, dude, crazy things kind of come out of, have the potential of coming out of what you write. What a gift from your teacher, man. That's profound. Where was she when I was in school? I was shitty at math and they Uh just, you know, I, I, it was parent teacher conferences saying this kid's not going to. He's not going to graduate. That's what I got. Yeah. <laughs> I purposely took, because um, I was a communication major in, in, in college. I didn't know what I, I knew I wanted to do music, but I was like, why am I in school? Um, I, they said, you didn't have to take a math class, but you have to take a language class. So I took four years of Spanish. Now, I don't remember any of the Spanish, but it definitely beat taking math. But what a great uh-huh. gift that obviously kept on giving. Yeah. You know, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Beauty of writing things down. Yes. Yeah. Dude, I want to actually go a little bit backwards because, you know, you said you, you, you chose Nashville because it, it just had this vibe. It had this community, right? Well, the funny thing is my wife asked me today, she goes, well, who's your, who's your guest going to be? And I said, it's uh, Sean Giovanni. And she goes, well, Sean Giovanni, Sean Giovanni. I said, I know Giovanni. I know this guy. And it was crazy. My wife used to do music back in the day and just, uh, you know, you bet you guys been here uh, a while and... You know, she's like, I know that guy. He was DJing at uh, Grand Central Station. I love that guy. And just sang your praises, like I said. It's awesome. And, it, and it's awesome. Um, but and, and my question is, too, you've been here a little bit. Now, when you're meeting all these new, young, aspiring artists, songwriters, bands, you know, musicians, and they're coming to you, like, you know, because we have this influx here in Nashville, like 100 people a day, we're moving here, you know, for a couple summers and stuff. Um, my question is, you know, are, are we that vibe that you're talking about that kind of made it special are we are we slowly is it slowly fading because we have such a mad influx of people or is it just more beasts to figure to fill like a bigger arena like are we still does that vibe still very much present here in nashville you think good question yeah that's a great question um and a little bit of a challenging question to answer because i've been here for so long so like i have my roots here now and while i'm always meeting new people and very excited to i still have that same feeling of community because now i'm like in the community as opposed to being like new to the community and seeing that the community mm-hmm. exists. So I'm not sure what it would be like if I moved here now versus when I did move here, but I haven't personally experienced a massive difference in the way that people treat each other or the support. Um, I I've, I've never ex- experienced a, you know, a, a, um, like inappropriate level of like competition where people are trying to push each other down. Like there's just a lot of support and a lot of community and a lot of great groups that are, that are coming out and like companies like yours that have like great purpose and, and focused on community and, you know, and support. Um, So I I feel like the, the city has grown a ton and I think that that's awesome. I I think it's great. Mm -hmm. I think it just leads to bringing more people in and bringing more opportunity. And yeah, it's, it's great. I think the opportunity exists for the people that are going to go out and seek it. It's, you know, it's always there. I will say that, um, something that I was thinking about last night is I was talking to, um, an intern that just started working for me and, um, I had him do his first session on it on his own, um, last night. And I was thinking about what it, 
what um, I would hear when I was in school about how challenging it was to break into the industry. And they, you know, they'd say, man, you know, like all the commercial studios are shutting down. Like there's really not like the jobs there used to be, you know, you're really going to have to grind it out and hustle and, you know, and, and go after it. And, and then, um, and then, you know, a few years later, they're like, well, you know, all the home studios are, are taking over and, you know, you better figure out a way to get involved in that. Cause like real big studios don't exist anymore, you know, which is not, not true. And, um, and then, you know, you move to town now and they say, man, you know, there's how many hundreds of people moving here every week. And, um, there's just, it's just oversaturated and, you know, we can't get artists to, you know, they can't afford anything and there's not enough money in the recording industry. Um, at the same time, I've been very fortunate to be able to, um, do pretty well. And there's plenty of people that I've seen that are continuing to do very well. Uh, and the opportunity is still there. And there's still the people that are saying how, how impossible it is, not just challenging, but like, man, you better just figure out something else. Uh, and so I think that it has to do a little bit with just like the, the type of energy that you allow to like, you know, to be, be around you. I just won't allow the opportunity for something to be impossible. I'm going to figure out how to do it or I'm going to really, I'm going to go and seek out somebody that's done it and, and look at that and just tell myself, okay, well, no more excuses because if they've made it happen, then there's no reason that I can't. Right, dude. And that brings up something that I've really been thinking a lot about. And it's this concept. Maybe it's a myth. Maybe there's some truth to it. But um, I call I call it like getting big leagued. So, and I think it can be an ideology, but I think it can also be like uh, something something that that maybe happens. But now that you said that, I'm starting to question it. And what I mean by being big leagued is like, oh, like you're not too you're too inexperienced for this or, uh, you know, stuff's moving this way. We're going from studios to home studios, or it's really hard to break into this things that give that feeling and emotion of like, I'm, uh, you're trying to get to the big leagues, right? To the, like the NFL or the NBA, like, Oh, you're like, this is too big. This is for someone else and not for you. But a, what do you, th- what do you think of that? Is there such thing as like, um, as that, and then B, uh, do you think it's as easy to overcome as what you just said? Like nothing is going to stand in my way if I believe that nothing will stand in my way. Yeah. I, well, I believe that because that was my experience. So totally. that's the only like truth that I can share. Cause that was the, you know, the experience that I had. I don't think that you can just say it and have it happen. You have right to on. back it up with action. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that like, and, and just really get in the habit of like that there can't be an excuse why and that's a really challenging thing that i still struggle with because there are times where like i get big leagued with stuff and okay. you know there's still definitely heights that i have not reached that i that i plan on reaching that i will but where i i feel a little like you know i, I feel like i've at least earned like a conversation about this you know um or you know or just get bummed out or you start to take things personally and don't realize like all the other things that are going you know around within it and i think that we also assume things like too quickly right and and that also comes with taking things personally which was one of the strongest things that i've learned to have be be a, a, a continuing thing to work on is to just push past that and realize that there's nothing that you should actually take personally uh, which can get pretty deep into the weeds with how to approach that. But I, I oh, for firmly sure. believe in that after having experienced the, you know, the difference in it. And a simple way to say it is like, there's not much value that will come out of you taking something personally in that situation. Yeah. You're still going to be in the same place that you were, except you're letting that individual put you in a place that isn't moving forward, but is rather dwelling on what's not happening rather than figuring out, you know, another way 
um, around it. It doesn't do any of us any good to be, you know, to be worried about that or take offense to something and just say, okay, that's cool. I'm going to figure out another way around it. Now that's a lot easier said than done. Sure. So when you say that, is it, is it as easy as doing that? I would say it's as simple as saying it, but it's not as easy as, as just saying it, you know, it, it definitely Perfect. takes like the action around it. And it's something that I still like continue to struggle with, even with as much as I've worked on my mindset and work on it on a daily basis. It's part of my like morning rituals being reminding myself of these principles that have really allowed me to help move forward and find some really great fulfillment in life. But I still get in those places where like my wife knows that there's a couple times a year that I'm going to get bummed out and tell her like, man, I feel like my career's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just get in that, like in that funk, you know? And, uh, and, and it's obviously not true. And like things pick right back up and you know, it's all, it's all great, but you, uh, you know, you start to get those, those feelings just, and it's, I think a little bit of it is the curse of the artist of just that idea of, you know, self-doubt that we have to continue to try to work past and, um, yeah. and, you know, and, and break out of. Dude, 100%, man. And that was a fantastic answer. I, I apologize if, if the question was a little bit rambling. I don't know if it was. It was oh, I think it was a great question. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right. Um, so I, you know, what I, what I heard in there also is like, so just to distill it down into like a real world example, let's say uh, you and I'm repeating this just to make sure that, that I heard you correctly. So let's say you have a goal right now to get in uh, maybe a collaboration with with a artist that is bigger than someone that you worked with before now. Uh, and that is not going the way you had hoped it would. And it could be perceived as big league, but, and you could potentially take that personally, like there's something wrong with your personal skill set, or you could say, you could be aware of the fact that there's something else going on, uh, that maybe, maybe it's just not. And, and that something else could be a million different things. Maybe they just prefer someone else's style, or I think there's a lot of loyalty in, you know, in, obviously in apparel and then uh, in music as well. And maybe people are just loyal to their person and it has nothing to do with you. Am I right in saying like, if that particular situation was to happen to you, that that's how um, you would say to go about it is to not take it personally, but to think about the other angles of which you could be um, not getting that particular job at the moment. Um, yeah. It, well, the first, I think the ultimate place is just to get in a mindset where you just don't take it personally, period. Perfect. You don't okay. have to go through that. Yeah. But starting out, it's a really great practice to say, to, to switch the perspective and say, okay, this isn't ab about me. There's a good chance that like this could be happening or they already have that, uh, you know, that thing taken care of or, um, or, you know, it just wasn't like the right timing. But what I really look for is like what I can learn out of it rather than being cool. upset and being like, oh man, this didn't happen. So I, I sort of do a play by play and I go back. Okay. So like, how did that conversation start? What did I say in that conversation? Where do the, what do the details lead to? Can I pinpoint a place where maybe we've got pushed off track where I might've lost that opportunity because of something that I said or a way that I presented something? How can I improve my presentation in the future uh, and, and be able to have a better shot, you know, the next time that that opportunity comes up? And then just over time, and this is just a matter of experience, over time, you know, you, you have that first big thing like fall through and it sucks, but then the next thing comes up and you're like, oh, okay, well, more of these things exist. It's not that my life, my world's over, but in that moment, yeah. it feels like everything is over, you know? Yep. yep. Um, I'll, I'll, I can give you an example without using names, uh, but I had a, uh, a legendary band that I grew up listening to. 
that would be like a dream to work with and randomly got a referral from someone to work on a project with them when they were in town. And I hooked it all up and made it, you know, made it happen. We found a, a place. This is before I owned my own studio. So I was working out of a lot of other studios around town and we found a place to make it happen. I brought them out there, um, set everything up. I was so stoked. Um, you know, the vibe was going great. And then there were a number of like technical issues with that studio. It wasn't my studio. It was a studio that I rented and there was a bunch of things that weren't working for like the workflow of that artist. And so over the course of a few hours, like the session didn't go very well. They didn't get very much done and they ended up being a little pretty bummed out, but they knew though. Fortunately they knew that it wasn't hundred percent my fault, but it doesn't matter. You're the one that's there. So it just leaves sort of a uncomfortable, you know, sort of thing there. And, um, and then it just, the, the session didn't go, you know, very well. And so I was super deflated at the end of it. I was like, man, did I shoot that? I bring them to the wrong place that I like, where did I screw this up? And then, um, I couldn't really get, get in touch with them again and sort of it like lost, you know, c- connection with them. And it looked like something that might develop into a little bit of a relationship at first. So I was just like, you know, super bummed and, um, and just dwelled on it for quite a while. And, uh, this was a few years ago. Um, and, uh, and, like two days ago, their new manager called me and that person that leads that band thought of me when they moved to town and called the book, my, my new studio. Dude. And and it was a really great like revelation to look back and be like, man, all of that crap that you were worried about, it was not about you. They, they understood it didn't have anything to do with you. You you tried to bail them out like last minute to find a great spot and hook it up. And right. it just, you know, they understood that it, you know, that didn't work out. And while in the moment they might've been a little, you know, bummed about it and it wasn't a great vibe. Um, they didn't forget about you. And like a few years later, they're calling you back and now they're in town and they want to work on their new single. So like wow, dude. that that stuff like that can, can turn Ooh. around in that way. And it's just a really great example of how like there's no use in taking the stuff personally and letting it, you know, holding it with you. Um, there there's, but the flip side of that is that there's a balance with everything. So we can't just like totally screw something up and be like, ah, well, you know, it's all good, man. Right, we right. still have to hold ourselves accountable. So, sure. there, you know, there's an accountability within that. But I mean, things that are beyond your control that are just situations that occur that, that were not a result of your necessarily like mistake um, but just maybe something that doesn't work out the way that you wanted. And then you sort of hold that in you and take it personally. And uh, anyone in the in, re- music industry or entertainment industry in a whole knows that you're going to get a million no's before you get a yes. Yep. And you're going to get turned down for all kinds of things. And everything is going to seem like it's about to break. And then it all falls apart so many times before it actually, uh, you know, kind of culminates into these things. Um, and if every time that happens, you hold in the pain and the resentment uh, and the deflation that happens from that and don't come out of it with like a learning and understanding and like separating yourself from that pain, then you're totally going to break down and quit dude, and not, you know, and not get through it. But, and so that's something that I think like out of necessity, because I believe I have no other option than to excel at what I was meant to do, uh, that I learned. Um, but I was fortunate to be able to kind of have like an upbringing and just have the right books come to me and the right sort of mentors say the right things to me over time. And so if someone hasn't had that experience yet, hopefully that like that story and explanation can be a way to help them start to rethink how they uh, deal with, um, with things, with adversity and things that don't go right. Dude. Yes. Bravo, dude. That's a fucking brilliant answer. man. And uh, yeah, man, if you're listening out there, uh, 
I would go back and rewind chew, that, chew past, ba- that past 15 minutes and take some notes on that. I'm personally going to do that, actually. Absolutely. Uh, dude, Absolutely. yes. That was... No, that's fantastic, man. Beautiful. Beautiful, um, my man. All right, so just due to time, I want to kind of keep this moving along. Cause yes. Because we, we could go deep into the rabbit hole really and could. talk that's about what... this. And believe it, that's, that's probably yeah. what we want to do, but for time's sake. I'm all um, about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, a few more questions for you, brother. And, you know, I know I noticed you were... Uh, you talked about like you know the one person saying, "Well, home studios are taking over. Home studios are taking over." I don't think so. There's something about actual recording studios. You know, the, the, there's an experience, an atmosphere, a vibe about that. You know, think of all the greatest bands that would go in that studio and just make magic. Like, you can do stuff at a home studio. That's fine, but you know, let's talk about the record shop here. So I could go in there and I, um, you know, I can get artist development done there. I can do live production there. I can make a record there, an EP, whatever. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the record shop a little bit. And then I want to get into, you know, what is the, the one, like probably the most important thing that you want to get out of that artist that comes in or, uh, or what you can do for that artist that comes into the record shop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well the, the record shop started out of, me not being able to find work and then starting to build a little bit of this freelance thing that was happening and reading a lot of books and thinking a lot about branding and, uh, and, uh, industry reputation. And I had an idea that I could, that if I created a, a brand around what I did that had a really purposeful mission, um, that I would be able to maybe provide a little bit more like legitimacy to what I was doing and like, and to be able to grow to the level that I wanted to, as opposed to having to rely on like one gig to the next to get me by. And so that was really like the foundational thing around it. Um, and I just, I guess I also just thought it would be cool to like, just have like a company instead of just like me, you know, doing that. Uh, and so I started to come up with this idea of like, what would be a way that I could, um, serve artists in, in a greater, in a, in a larger way. Uh, and that started to get into when I read that quote from William James and, wanted to really create art that would outlast us. And then I started focusing a lot on this experience that I had as a freelance engineer that was working with up and coming artists that didn't necessarily have a producer. I was always passionate about production, but most of my experience until I had moved to Nashville was as an engineer. So I would get in with these singer songwriters or with a band uh, or with a hip hop artist and they would want feedback, not just like, hey, does the EQ on this sound good? Or like, which microphone should we use? Or how should we mic up the guitar? Um, but you know, like, how does this melody feel? Does this arrangement feel good? Is it, how does the tempo feel to you? Um, does this inspire you, you know? Uh, and so we would get deeper into these sort of things and I start giving them, you know, feedback and direction and building these deeper relationships beyond just being a technical equipment operator that was capturing the sound, but being more of like, let's create a, a, a um, let's capture a moment and an experience, you know? And so as we started to dive into that, I got really passionate about that side of things and started focusing on my, my big focus whenever I'd first meet an artist is really learning about who they were artistically, where their influences came from and what their vision was for whatever we were working on together. And even if that was just like a basic singer songwriter demo, um, I didn't start the session with like, okay, cool. The mic's there, go sit down and play. Uh, I would uh, ask them some questions about the song. Where, what was the inspiration behind it? Um, who are they trying to pitch the song to if it wasn't for them? Uh, what, what is the sort of like overall vision that you have for it? And then that would help me make some like technical decisions about maybe like how to mic it or how, what sort of effects to put on it or like, you know, that, that kind of thing. But then it would dive in more to like arrangement and, um, and like the tempo, the, you know, the feel, 
Um, and then if we were building a track around it, the instrumentation that, you know, that would go into it, I got really excited about, you know, doing that. And that's where we grew. I, it grew into this idea of more of like a production company than like just a recording studio. So through developing that relationship as a producer slash engineer with artists, I also started to recognize that by the end of this process of working on a project with an artist, now they needed to shoot a music video. They needed to do a photo shoot. They needed to um, build like out a marketing plan and, and, uh, and promo for it. Um, they need to start working on like a tour and like, you know, all these things that happen, uh, when, when I'm talking specifically about early on in my career with up and coming artists. Um, now like they, okay, cool. I got my recording done. Now I need to figure out like next step, like how do I get people to listen to it and, and get in front of it. And so then I would hear all these horror stories about them trying to go out and find like a videographer that ran away with their money and never gave them their video. And like the photographer that they paid for oh, this yeah. huge shoot and then took them like six months to send them an edit of three pictures back Yes, and you know, and all this mm. stuff. Right. And I was like, man, that really sucks. And then, and then, you know, they, they, uh, they would have trouble like explaining to them like the technical side of maybe like how they would want the video like color treated or they didn't understand that like for a photographer that if they wanted like three different backgrounds, they were going to need to pay for three locations, not for like one studio shoot. And then they didn't understand why they weren't, you know, getting this sort of stuff. So I started to hear these things and I was, and it's like, man, you know, how great would it be if like, if artists had someone that could just help them put together the team around them? Uh, and again, speaking with artists that aren't in that position, I work with a lot of artists now that do, you know, have that team around them, but, uh, the ones that like that, you know, that, that don't, um, I mean, don't have those connections yet. Uh, and, and just be able to kind of work through finding those people quicker and then also being able to communicate their artistic vision that they have for their video or for their graphic or for their logo or their graphics or their photography, um, easier yeah. because maybe they don't have the technical terms. So they're trying to describe it. And then I found that a lot of artists get a little, insecure about it and then mm -hmm. they just sort of let the person do whatever because they don't want to sound yeah. dumb because they don't know how to say what they want you yeah. know yeah. and so i started just really terrible. paying attention to these ways that artists you know interact with the different types of contractors that they hire for building stuff and i thought man what if i created this really great team of people that thought like me but were masters at videography and photography and promotion and website design and graphics and so that's what i, I did I started going out and, and, uh, and as I was at those shows trying to meet those artists, there was a videographer there that was filming, trying to meet the artists. Boom. And so I was like, Hey man, you look like you're hustling like I am and like really passionate about helping people out. Um, and then we, I'd see their work and then start to collaborate. Uh, and then, so that's where the idea of the multimedia production uh, facet of the record shop grew out of, um, was, uh, was being able to support artists in a greater way, you know, beyond that. And, uh, and so that it started so really, smart, really brother. small, just yeah, sort of making yeah. connections. And then that's where I started becoming like a project manager for things. So, uh, um, an artist could come to me with a concept and say, Hey, we want to go, we want to do this like live video shoot in uh, a barn outside of town somewhere, but we need to figure out a way. We want, we want to like record it live. We don't want it to be like a goofy, like pre-tape lip sync thing. So we need to figure out a way to like, uh, capture it all, but then, and then film it. And we want to give it this like old, like seventies look to it. Um, like, do you know anybody that could do that? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I like, I get all the people together and make it happen. Like our company handles the audio side. We contract a company to do the video side and, and things started to build that way, which was, was really cool. Um, and then through getting that experience, uh, and, and building those connections and reputation for that. Now I just get calls where someone's like, Hey, I would need to do a video shoot. Can you help us like hook it up? And, uh, and so now we do a lot of the stuff in house. 
um, with and uh, before it was just sort of like a networking sort of thing, but it was really just going back to that initial thing of value. Mm-hmm. How can I offer more value to the people that I work with? Um, I don't have. I did that time. I don't. I did at that time. I didn't have the resume that was going to be super impressive, but I had a level of passion and uh, an added level of value that I could offer to people beyond my technical skill set. So they knew that they could come to me and rely on me for like what I'm really good at. Um, but then they could also rely on me to be a part of their team and support them in creating stuff beyond that. And, uh, and so that's how the, the record shop grew into what it is and, um, and why we handle all of those things. So, <clears throat> um, I didn't set out to be a jack of all trades. I don't hold the camera. Um, I don't, um, set up the lighting for the, for the photography shoot, you know, and, and do those stuff. I don't try to be halfway good at those things. I produce records and that's what I focus my time on, but I also help artists achieve their artistic vision in any type of content that they want to create. And I surround myself with really incredible people that, that do really good work and rely on them to be masters at their skill sets. And that, that's, that's the, uh, the vision of, you know, how the record shop grew was just to be a really great resource. Now from, a, um, that's like my artistic side of what, why, you know, I got into it. And then the, you know, the business side is, you know, the recording studio business is tough. It's up and down. It's the sometimes seasonal. It hasn't been as much in the past few years. At least, I mean, it hasn't been for me for quite a while, but for there, but there were times where it was very like, you know, kind of hit or miss and up and down and you're kind of relying on one thing to the, you know, to the next thing. So when I started diving deeper into these, this multifaceted kind of thing, I could work with an artist year round and develop this, this long-term flow of things as opposed to work with an artist once a year. And that really led to much more consistency nice. uh, to where now there's not much of uh, I, I say a very like humbly, I don't mean to sound egotistical. There's not much of like a concern about, are we going to be booked today? It's just sort of like, what are we going to be focusing on? Yeah. And that's super exciting yeah. to be able to dive into that. Uh, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily like recommend that like that's the, uh, business plan like every individual should have is try to turn it into that but what i think you can take out of that is the idea of finding your niche and then diversifying the value that you can provide within it and i talk a lot about that because i dis- i discovered as i was sort of as a preparing for a workshop that i was doing a couple of years ago that that was really a big part of the growth of my career and allowing me to be able to focus on just projects that i wanted to work on and be really passionate about rather than chasing the next gig it was just looking for the right thing, you know, to work on and having enough of those pieces moving where you can support artists in different ways. For me, that was, you know, that was how it helped. And for, you know, for every creative or for every artist or, you know, producer engineer, it might be a little bit of a different story, but I think that that principle can always be applied of just figuring out how to expand the value that you're providing within the niche, you know, that you have. And my niche just became serving the vision of the artist in whatever way that I have the capability of doing that. So what do I look for when, uh, what do I hope to achieve with an artist that I, uh, that I work with? I want them to leave feeling that they got exactly what was in their head. And I love the beauty of that idea. The idea that we can be inspired by some sort of experience or emotion or feeling or interaction with someone and then have this seed planted in our mind of this idea of art. And then for someone to be able to come to me and, and explain that idea and share it with me at a very foundational level, whether it's sitting down in front of me and playing their guitar and singing their heart out or sending me over a work tape that they did on their on their tour bus as they were traveling from one city to another um, or just coming over and, and just spewing out this whole like crazy idea that they have and me just sitting there like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I got this idea and that right. idea. <laughs> and then we go through this whole process 
And every step is so exciting because it takes you closer to that final result. So I love diving into artists with pre-production, which is a huge part of my process. I firmly believe regardless of how in de- how large of a project you're doing, that preparation is so important. And it allows for magic to enter the room when you get into really capturing something because you've worked out all those little minute or, or uh, little uh, debatable details before. Uh, but you still allow room for creation. So I like to create a blueprint in preparation. I don't lay concrete. I don't set the foundation. It's just a blueprint. It's a sketch of what we're going to hope to accomplish. And I do that with recording projects, with video projects, um, with with career development, like just like campaign projects. You know, we just focus out on like what is our basic, you know, idea. And then the next step is diving into starting to build that. So it could be the the tracking session with the, you know, with the band and the, the artist, or uh, it could be the first video shoot, you know. Uh, and then we move into like edit vocals and post-production and like that whole stage. And every one of those steps, there's we're getting closer to this final thing. And I'm always checking back with the artist through every step. I don't just like wait to the end and be like, so do you like it? We're always yeah. having that conversation. I'm like, what do you dig? Is there anything that's not there yet? What are you missing? And a lot of times I really have to push artists to like be harder on themselves and or harder on me. Mm. And, um, and I want to pick out all those little things. If there's anything that's missing, let's dive into it. Let's work harder on this. Let's get it there. And, uh, and then once we, um, once we get to that final stage and we're listening back to the final master of a, a record, um, or we're watching that, that video, what I want to see is like goosebumps or tears or like something that tells me, Oh my God, this is exactly what I was going for. And if I hear them say that and they tell me that, then my job's done. If not, then I'm pushing harder to figure out what I missed and make sure that we go back and, you know, and get it there. So my goal when I finish working with every artist is to have that moment where I can look at them and really know that they got exactly what they came to me for and that there's nothing that they're going to have to explain away when they play it for someone or show it to someone. It's going to speak for itself in every little detail. Dude, I, that's Beautiful. incredible, man. Seriously. I, I love that last thing that you said. There's nothing they have to explain away. Isn't there nothing worse than like, yeah, man, we uh, we got the we got the record done. But like, hey, before you listen to this, man, just know, you know, the things were a little shaky. And yeah. that's the dude. It's the worst. Well, yeah. we've, all, we've all done it where you show them like the EP. But like, well, hey, listen to track seven first. But then you got to go to this track two and then start it from the beginning and then go right to the end. You're right. It's uh, that's amazing, man. Let me ask you this: What makes a great song? A universal connection. That's why. That's I think the first thing that I that I listen for. But I would say, like beyond the the lyric and the theme being something that universally connects, uh, something that's being said in a way that is special and, and authentic, but also that hasn't been said in the same way before. Um, I will say as well that as a producer, I'm listening to songs for the artistic value but i'm also listening for the commercial value and -hmm. i have no problem saying that like i think that music needs to make money in order for artists to survive yeah and there's a market for you know for commercial music and i'm very much into the market of commercial music but i don't but i'm also when people ask me the type of music that i like to create i just say purposeful music yeah because i work with country artists i work with hip-hop artists i work with rock bands uh so there's not really like a genre i just look for artists that i can connect with the story that they're telling and serve their, you know, their vision in a cool way. That's awesome. Yeah, you I mean there's only, you know, how many different ways you can say I love you, but when you know you found that special way to say it, God, that made that that song is great. 
Absolutely. Yeah, man. I think like, you know, a great art and great originality exists within limitations, right? The bass guitar, the acoustic guitar is a limitation, right? There's only so far you can go with it, but how many millions of songs have been written within that same limitation? I like to take that outside of it and because this relates to what you're saying about like you look for the commercial value too right we're all trying to make a living from our art therefore the the limitations of of business and commerce are something is a limitation that we have to work within that we have to incorporate into our body of of knowledge and expertise and um and how and how we create i think it is part of the canvas so to speak so i don't think you know i know there is a stigma around uh you know saying that you take uh not you specifically but just saying you know that people in general take the commercial value of it into uh into consideration i don't think that's a bad thing at all in fact i think it's essential and the only way that we're going to survive monetarily from from having a creative career so the reason that i focus on commercial value is because of the impact that i want music to have bingo i know that if it's commercially viable that it's going to impact a larger amount of people Mm -hmm. and if it impacts a larger amount of people my purpose is fulfilled and as a result money will come and we'll be able to be fulfilled through being able to keep making music because it's allowing us to do so monetarily my focus is not can we write this song because it's going to make us a lot of money it's can we write this song to in 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 the in order to impact you know the most amount of people right yeah and there's certain things to focus on within that but I think there, there, with everything, there's a balance. Like, I don't want to, I'm not interested in writing something that's just a copycat of like something else that we think is going to sound like a hit sort of thing. And I'm not, sure, I'm sure. not against people to do that either because there's a market for music to be done that way. And that's totally cool. I'm not going to hate on it. My approach is maybe in the middle where I want to create, you know, the music that has the potential for that, but it's pushing boundaries in some way. Um, but, but also just, you know, sort of understanding that like an eight minute long song or, um, that sort of, you know, stuff can just, unless there's a really like artistic way around it and a whole like live art piece that is happening, right. you know, with yeah. it or whatever that like generally that's probably not going to get, you know, streamed uh, a couple million times. So yeah. right. I, I, um, I'm looking for the, ba- you know, the balance between that, but starting with just something that can connect universal that is authentic to us and then looking at how does this, you know, fit within the standards of what people are used to listening to. Yeah. It seems like you aim for commercial for the connection. And that's why I think as artists, what we do, what we do is to connect with Absolutely. Everybody. So yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Can we get into, um, I'd love to talk to you about mind map. Sure. Is that something we can talk about? Um, you know, when I looked up mind mapping, uh, it literally blew my mind. I, <laughs> I uh, uh, so can you explain to the audience and maybe to me without me having to pick up brain matter off the floor, like what is mind mapping? Yeah. Well, mind mapping is a very interesting coincidence of what we decided to name the program that we made. Okay. So we were coming up with this idea and we were thinking about how can we help artists navigate their career using their mindset. And I was like, mind map. And then I was like, we need to check to see if like that's, you know, used and stuff. And, uh, and then I found, Oh, there's this whole thing called mind mapping. So we weren't even aware of it when we oh, created okay. the um, the program. Um, but the the idea behind that is, uh, you know, is really great. Um, it's not necessarily super in li- it's completely in line with the mind map itself, um, but in some senses can connect with, uh, you know, with that that idea of understanding how our thoughts are impacting 
uh, our, our mind and our body and the thought structure, you know, that goes through that, that sort of stuff. So it's definitely like, you know, intertwined within anything when you're focused on like your cognitive function through the way that we're thinking and how we're using our thoughts. But the idea of creating the mind map platform was to help artists achieve artistic prosperity through finding a, a balance between art and business. And I wanted to help artists that say, you know, I'm no good at like sales. I don't really like marketing. Um, social media isn't very much fun to me. Like I just, I don't like putting myself out there like that. Um, I can't go and like network because, you know, it just feels like it's just not fun and like I'm not good at it. And, you know, th those sorts of um, things that are these, these drawbacks that make sense because we're creatives and we got into creating art because we didn't want to have the real job and like have that corporate structure and, you know, and have to follow the rules and all that stuff. But we have to come to a reality that we're in the modern music industry. There is a lot of incredible opportunity for artists to be able to have more freedom and more control. And people really um, will talk a lot about how great that is. But then the artists will be like, yeah, but I'm not very good at business. And I wanted to start to change that conversation a little bit to show how business can be creative and how thinking about our art as a business in a creative way can also help us flourish. So we created a, I partnered with a friend of mine who is a corporate sales team building consultant and mindset um, coach. Uh, he does, he's a, he calls himself an implementational speaker because he doesn't just go out to motivate people. He gives them implementational strategies based on science, um, to be able to help them move towards their goals of fulfillment in both their life and their career. And, uh, and then I'm someone that sort of hit the ground running and figured out a way to make things happen, you know, and in, in town and push through a lot of adversity. And I want to help other people do that. I know how awesome it feels to be able to do what I love for a living, to authentically feel like I don't have to go to work. And people argue with me that like, that's not possible, but it's possible. You, you, I do not feel like I get up and go to work. I was so excited to get up, you know, this morning I was, I was fairly excited to have like a couple days off, um, over the weekend. But like by Sunday afternoon, I was like, I just can't wait to get back to it. I got all this awesome yeah. stuff we can do. Right. Like how many people get to have that feeling? We spend one, the average person spends one third of their life working. Uh, I want that, that, I spend probably two thirds of my life working, but it's not work. You know, it's, it's incredible. And, and so I, I want to give other people that ability um, to have that. And so we look at, we, I looked at one of the big things that I saw a lot of super talented people that had a ton of potential and had all of these opportunities just like ready to go that missed the boat because of a lack of discipline uh, or a focus on what their goals actually were or being able to have a specific strategy of how they were going to get there rather than just kind of like floating from the next thing to the next and just like, oh, we'll just see what happens, man. Um, which is super cool to have that like openness, but there's got to be a little bit of strategy around it. I think totally. I believe, um, you know, my opinion. So we created this program to help, help artists do that. And, uh, we dive into all kinds of sorts of things. Um, I'm a big fan of having uh, a purpose or like a passion statement, something that describes your mission, um, I just like to call it a passion statement instead of mission statement because it sounds less corporate -y and stuff, but yeah. it's basically like that idea <laughs> sure. of like, okay, cool. You're an artist. Uh, your art is a business. Now, what is your goal on a day to day to be able to serve your client or your, your fans? And, uh, and, and how do you want, uh, artists to, or fans to be impacted by the art that you're creating? And then we dive really deep into that and ask a lot of, um, of deep questions to start to bring out 
the, that larger purpose and understanding of like why we're, we're doing it because a lot of artists are just sort of compelled to create art. And that's awesome. Like that's a number one, like really strong, um, uh, principle, uh, to have, but, um, but if, if, if it's, if it just ends there and we don't have any sort of like focus, it's just, there's so much competition, man. And there's somebody else out there that is super focused and they have this plan and they're going to make it happen. And it's pretty hard to compete, you know, compete with that. And I saw a lot of artists that this isn't like to make up for talent. I saw artists that just had incredible talent, um, that they weren't getting the career that they deserved because they were missing out on these, these things. And, uh, and so I just sat down and just kind of made a list of like the principles that I thought could really help artists, um, you know, build from a foundation, uh, this stronger core that would push their careers forward. And, uh, and then I, we, I started to, me and Rick, my, my partner, Ricky started to turn that into a course. Uh, and then we launched that about a year ago and, um, it's been going really well. We've been helping artists, um, really transform the way that they look at, at the creation of their art and their business. And, uh, and we're finding creative ways to have that intersection happen in a natural way. Um, I give you an example. So we help artists um, determine their their passion statement around their around their art, and then we take this and we say that oh, this could be used as an elevator pitch to explain to someone what you do when they ask you, you know, well, so what do you do? And you say, oh, I write songs, you know. That you and everyone else right, down, right. right? So what what is the <laughs> statement that like in a sentence you can say it? They'd be like, hmm cool. So what does that mean? And like, what type of, like, I want to hear that. That sounds awesome, you know? Um, and, uh, and so we, we take that and you can be used in that sort of setting. Um, it can be used as like a tagline on social media, uh, used on your website, your publicist can use it for stuff, you know, all of the marketing crap, right? That, that works great. But now what if you go into every writing session and you say that to yourself before you start your writing session, will you have a different focus on, like the, the level of like work that you're going to put into it or um, if you're going to settle for, you know, for something that might not be there yet or will it just remind you of the greater reason behind why you're doing it and just naturally put your mind in a more inspired state. I think that that can be a really powerful thing. Um, and that just, that came out of like my own experience. I started doing that um, once I had developed that for myself really early on and it's become just a really powerful message to remind myself of every morning, every night and every time that I run through some sort of, adversity or get that devil on the side of my shoulder it's like yeah you can probably just let this slide it'll be fine that that vocal doesn't have to be exactly perfect it's you know yeah, nobody will hear that um but you know but you know that you'll hear it and uh, those little issues those little things you know make the difference um so that that was our goal was to you know to be able to create something like that that would really help artists i saw all of this other content out that like in the recording industry there are so many videos on how to EQ a kick drum and how to get better mixes and how to cut a better vocal. And all that stuff is great. I have a lot of friends that create that, a lot of that like really high level content and um, like legendary, you know, producers, engineers, and um, people that are given some really strong information. And I think it's really great that that's there. I wish that it was there when I was coming up. Um, it's beautiful to see all of that. Um, there's also on the artist side of things, a lot of people telling how to get more followers on social media, how to get your songs placed on Spotify playlists. Also very good information. Yeah. But my belief is that you can have all of that knowledge, but if you don't have uh, the discipline, the foundational focus, the time, the, the time management control to be able to spend the time that it takes to be able to improve those skill sets, to take advantage of that advice, then that advice only has so much power and it's pretty much like that you can listen to it and you can't really apply it until you've built these foundational things that can really support it. And some of these foundational things aren't 
foundational to the artistic mindset naturally. And, but I've learned over time how to find like a, you know, balance between that and I've seen the value of it. And so I don't necessarily think that like a songwriter needs to be as extreme as me maybe about how to build like a brand and stuff. Um, but you can take some principles from that and start to apply it in a strong way that can, that can, I think can help you become more effective and can keep you in a more inspired state more often to be able to create better art by having uh, a little bit more of a deeper understanding around both your mindset and how you're managing your business as a whole. And that was our goal is to give them a resource to, to do that. Dude, that is, that literally parallels with what we're trying to do here, man, is like take the stigma out of learning the business side of making your art a career. I, like take, take that out of it because there, there, you don't have to master it just like you said, but there, it is an essential component, man. And, and I think, uh, just like you, when I'm looking over the landscape of things, it seems to be the, the aversion to understanding basic business principles seems to be one of the biggest factors uh, that determines whether someone's going to stick it out for the long term and have, like you said, the success that they deserve, or if they're going to cut out early and get bummed out when really, you know, people like us are over here like, no, dude, like you're right there. You have the talent. Like you said, you just need to tweak some of these like foundational principles that you're not willing to look at uh, because for whatever reason, uh, you know, you have an aversion to learning those skills. It could be because it just doesn't come naturally and, and you don't have the patience to, to learn it. But like, I think what I'm, I'm hearing you saying is, is like, Hey, let's, you know, open up the door and show how we can smooth the edges on these scarier topics and, and make it, uh, make it work for you. Mm-hmm. Have some yeah. success, man, dude. I I'm right there with you. It's beautiful, brother. Can you, can you plug the, where, where, where can we find, or how can we get a part of this course? The, the mind. Yeah. Map. Mindmaptribe.com. Okay. You heard it right there. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, you can log on there and join and like and get a free video and um, and a worksheet for it to get an idea of what it's about. And then there's a couple different course options. Uh, and then there's also an option to have uh, myself or Ricky like be like a personal mentor along the way. Um, and we try to we try to create uh, as many different ways for someone to be able to be helped at every level. Um, and uh, so you know to be able to grow. Very cool, man. That's incredible value, brother. Absolute value, brother. Yeah. Now we thank you for even having that dude, and we also thank you for coming out, man. This has been such yes, a, a very powerful episode, and uh, we hope you come back and and, and talk. Oh, to I us would love brother. to, man. Yeah, we, we definitely got to do this. Again. I'll just stay here. I'm just gonna sleep over. Please, no, please do. Yeah, no, you sleep on the black couch. But uh, yeah. dude, before we, you know, before we we let you exit, we uh we always like to end our show and ask our very special guest one question. It is the slogan of our brand, uh, and um, there's no right or wrong answer, man. You just say whatever comes uh, off your head or out of your heart, man. But what does bomb your boundaries mean to you? That's incredible. That's what I love about your guys' brand. It's such a strong statement. And for me, it was that there was no other option. When I hear that, I just think about the fact that there can't be a backup plan. There wasn't necessarily a need for me to bomb them because I wouldn't allow them to be there. Wow. But the understanding that if you do see them there, that you have to bomb them, not just punch them or kick them or ignore them, but you have to destroy them and immediately forget about the idea that there's any other option other than going after what really, truly makes you passionate and fulfilled. And it's my mission to help everyone that I have the opportunity to be in contact with, to be able to see the beauty of that and support them and being able to have that same fulfillment. That's amazing. That's a great. Yeah. Great answer. Great oh, answer, you. brother. <laughs> well, all right, y'all. 
right. So well, um, yeah, go yeah ahead. sorry. So so we know uh, mindmaptribe.com is for that was the website for mindmap, right? Yeah, yeah. And then and then where can what's the uh, website for the studio and any personal websites that you have? Uh, the record shop Nashville dot com is a studio website and Instagram is at the record shop studios. Perfect. Uh, the thing that I always like to tell people, uh, is that if you go on the website, you can write on the contact form. And if you, uh, eventually that message will get to me if you're asking for help in some way. And I invite anyone that is looking for help, for support, for guidance, mentorship, some advice, um, wants to know a good place to get some food in town. Uh, if anybody's looking for help, uh, I, I answer every single email that I get. And if I can't help someone directly, I try to put them in touch with someone that can. And I do that because when I moved to town, I sat in my apartment on 16th Avenue and I sent out hundreds of emails and I sat there and stared at my inbox (laughs) and it was empty and it wouldn't respond back. Nobody respond back. And then eventually I got a couple and those couple people totally changed my perspective and probably for the long term, like changed my life. And I want to be able to help other people that way. So if you are looking for any sort of guidance, send me a message and I promise I will get back to you and help you however I can. Beautiful. Beautiful, brother. And he's going to do it with the dopest hat on because (laughs) my man is stylish. All right, y'all. That'll do it for tonight. If you like what you heard, if something moved you, if you learned something valuable from this episode, please rate and review us. Your love means the world. It helps us do what we do, and we do what we do for the Y-O-U. If you're interested in advertising for the show, please contact us Contact us at bombersandsleeves at gmail.com. Get yourself updated on all of our apparel, future product lines, and our blog by visiting bombersandsleeves.com. We are always most active on our Instagram, so if you're not following us, please Please do at Bombcast Official and Bombers and Sleeves. We want to thank our very special guest one more time, Mr. Sean Giovanni. Thank you so much for being here, Thanks brother. For Find the latest and greatest of what's going down over at the Record Shop by following them once again on Instagram at the Record Shop Studios and visit therecordshopnashville.com. Y'all stay safe out there, and until next time, bomb your boundaries, baby. Peace. Peace.